Welcome everyone to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian American conversations about all things, including the topics you were too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host, Hula Ramos, and today we're bringing back a guest who was featured on episode 18 of Asian Voices Radio Podcast called Uncovering COVID-19 with Dr. Paul Y. Song. Just as a reminder, Dr. Paul Y. Song is a physician, progressive activist, and biotech chief medical officer. Please welcome back Dr. Paul Y. Song to the show. How are you doing, Dr. Song? Great to be back, uh, staying healthy and uh, trying to stay clear of the virus. No, absolutely. There is a lot of things that have happened since we last talked. As a matter of fact, um, as you may, you know, as you know, probably there is a spike in new COVID-19 cases since the 4th of July holiday. But let's even rewind a little further back. So here in California, June 15th was that magical date where uh, Governor Newsom said, you know what, we are opening up California again, and we are allowing people to not wear masks anymore. Was there a reason that that date uh, was significant? Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, around the time, we had great, great numbers. Uh, Hospital admissions were down and everything, but... uh, what I think uh, the governor and others did not anticipate was how quickly the Delta variant of the virus would start to spread. So in June 15th, you started to see more people getting together. Uh, bars and restaurants were fully reopened. Uh, people were going about their daily activity, and it really a lot of uh, pent up uh, demand to get out and, and be with friends. And unfortunately, there's still a proportion of our population that has either refused to be vaccinated or has not yet gotten the vaccine. And um, as a result, you can see this Delta variant really taking hold in those people that have not yet uh, received the vaccination. Um, I don't think there was any specific significance of June 15th per se, but I think you can start to see this dramatic exponential uptick of infection since then. So then explain to those that really aren't in the know or just don't understand, because I know there are actually two variants. Am I correct? A Delta and a Lambda? Correct. Well, actually, there are numerous variants. Um, So the original variant that um, originated in China and was the first to start to infect uh, people in mass quantities was the Alpha variant. And since then, uh, when a new mutation arises, uh, they are given uh, subsequent names. So uh, the uh, Delta variant is uh, believed to have risen in India, and that's the one that is now becoming uh, prevalent uh, throughout the world. But we now have another variant that has been spawned from the Delta variant called the Lambda variant, uh, which some people believe is also equally, if not more, infectious. But Uh, because it has not yet been around and had a chance to really spread the way the Delta variant has, we just don't uh, see the the effect yet. But there are some experts uh, I heard as uh, recently as today that think the Lambda variant could actually be even worse than the Delta variant. Oh my gosh, not just when we thought we were turning the corner, apparently we took another route back to where we were before. Well, fortunately, we're not quite there in the sense that, uh, you know, a lot of people have been vaccinated. uh, But unfortunately, those that have not are becoming a Petri dish to not only get infected, but to allow the virus to mutate into a even more deadly or more uh, infectious form. So 
that's uh, kind of this whole idea of the herd immunity. We're all in this together. We're one big herd. But if mm-hmm. enough people don't do their part, uh, the those that remain unvaccinated can not only get infected, but mutations can continue to uh, develop within them uh, and allow the further spread. And this can become a vicious cycle where it's like whack-a-mole, where just as we think we're getting the situation under control, uh, the new mole or the new variant emerges and uh, starts to infect more and more people. And and then that's really the danger right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. So obviously for those, you know, I I guess to ask the question, you know, the best way to try to rid of these variants is in, in essence getting vaccinated, correct? Yes, I think absolutely uh, vaccination is the, the biggest thing that each and every one of us can do. But I would also say for those of us that are vaccinated, that live at home with people that are not. So my wife and I have two young kids. They were not eligible for the vaccine yet. Um, we have not only taken uh, our uh, their health uh, very seriously in terms of making sure they're masked everywhere, but even despite the fact that she and I, my wife and I have both been vaccinated, we try to avoid crowds and uh, are always wearing masks when we're outside of the home. Uh, and, and, and that's, I think, what each and every one of us can continue to do. Okay. So that also includes, for those of us that are going back outside, do you recommend uh, we re-quarantine ourselves if, you know, after being out and about, you know, vacationing, because a lot of people are going out due to it being summer? Uh, no, I don't think we should go back to an isolationist uh, lifestyle. Uh, I think particularly those that have been vaccinated should be able to go out and carry out as much normal activity as possible. Uh, the question is whether or not they should continue to wear a mask. And now more and more guidelines are coming out to suggest that we should be wearing a mask, even if we are vaccinated. And the reason is uh, those that have been vaccinated are, are far less likely to end up with a serious infection, meaning requiring hospitalization or ventilation or something like that. But it's not um, impossible for those of us who've had the vaccine to become infected uh, with, with the um, uh, Delta variant or the Lambda variant and, and then bring it back home and uh, potentially spread it to our kids or those that have not been vaccinated. So uh, while uh, if you've had a vaccine, the likelihood of you dying from this or becoming seriously ill is much, much lower if you look at the number of people that are hospitalized or have died from uh, this, it's 99% of the people that are getting infected and having serious problems are those that have not had a vaccine. It doesn't mean that there could be a rare instance where one of us gets infected and then we can spread that to others. So for that reason, it's just it's just better to be doubly cautious and wear a mask. No, that's great. I was actually going to ask you that question about, you know, those of us that are vaccinated, um, if we, you know, should we have to worry about now having to get boosters or getting an additional, you know, vaccination because of all these variants? Well, it's a great question. And and really, it will depend on the type of vaccine that you received. Uh, again, we're still accumulating data and more and more uh, research is being published each day. But it does appear that if you got the two-shot messenger RNA vaccines, meaning the one by uh, Moderna or Pfizer, uh, that you're much less likely to 
be infected or develop serious problems from the Delta variant. There has been mixed data with regard to the J&J, the one-shot vaccine, um, and, and the AstraZeneca vaccine. So uh, I think that if you had the two-shot uh, mRNA vaccine, most experts believe you do not need a booster shot. But if you had the single-shot uh, J&J vaccine, there is a chance that at some point you will be asked to come in and get a booster shot. And it may be not another J&J shot, but one of the uh, mRNA vaccines where you would only re receive one shot instead of two. But these are the things that people are uh, uh, studying right now. So there's a lot of, you know, these misnomers and a lot of these people that are you know, spreading false information. One of the things that I know that I actually have friends uh, that are very leery about getting the vaccination because they say, well, I'm waiting for like the big vaccination to come. What would I say to those people? Like I keep telling them, let's just go get vaccinated. It's, it's better to do it now than to sit here and wait for this all, you know, inclusive vaccination you think is going to be happening. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I will say that uh, so far the data for the two-shot mRNA vaccines, uh, again, the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccines, uh, they seem to be uh, almost a home run. Now, remember, there's never going to be a vaccine that's 100% effective, uh, right. but they, they've they been shown to be very, very effective against all the variants up to now, including the Delta variant. So for your friends that have been reluctant, I would say, I don't think you'd get much better than that. And uh, at the same time, um, particularly if your friends are in the less than 40-year-old age, uh, sort of what we call the invincibles. They're the ones that think they're too healthy. They're not going right. to succumb to this. All they have to do is look at the news recently and look at the number of young people who are in the ICU or who have died, uh, unfortunately, in the last two months uh, from COVID. And uh, what's so sad about it is every single person who has died in the last you know, uh, 30 days um, I would say the majority uh, of them, if not all, it was preventable had they gotten the vaccine. Wow. No, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, no, I, there's something though I, I, I've been interested in. And I mean, you hear these rumors and you hear these things. But so when I got vaccinated for me, my first shot, I was pretty good. I honestly worked the next day and had no problem. But my second shot definitely kicked my butt. Um, I was probably out for a good three days and did kind of develop some some flu-like symptoms. Does that mean that had I gotten COVID that I would have been in the group that would have been affected a little bit more? Or like, I know a lot of people talk about that. Is that like something that is true? Uh, they, they really don't have any uh, data on that. But I would say the fact that you did have a reaction to your second shot means that your immune system was doing exactly what it was supposed to do. So after the first shot, it started to produce the antibodies. Uh, but when you got the second shot, it's almost like tricking your body into saying it's, it has an infection and it causes upsurge of your antibodies and your T cells to really start to kick in. Uh, what we do know is that for those that did have a robust reaction to the vaccine, meaning they felt crummy. Um, I hear people in their 20s that were knocked out. They couldn't get out of bed for a day or so after the vaccine. Uh, there is a belief that those people are going to have a stronger defense against the, a future uh, uh, 
exposure to uh, COVID than those people that don't have it. You know, if you look at older people, uh, people like my mom's age or maybe your grandmother's age, um, many of them don't report having any effects whatsoever. And that's because as we age, our immune systems get weaker to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, so obviously, as we're recording this right now, the biggest story in the world is the fact that the Olympics is going on as we speak. And what are your thoughts, you know, your professional opinion about the fact that, okay, we've decided to let's just move forward and go ahead and do the Olympics. Uh, any thoughts about what's going on with that in, in, in regards to COVID? Well, several things. One is that there have been some athletes that have tested positive uh, early on uh, and have been quarantined. I would say that it's probably one of the safest places to be right now because of the frequency of testing that every athlete and team member and uh, has to do. Um, there is also no spectators allowed in this in the stadium, uh, unfortunately. And and we know from watching uh, the NBA Finals recently. Uh, and, and, and as such that really this comes down to testing and, um, and, and very close monitoring. And the fact that every athlete and everyone there that is allowed access to the venues are being tested means the likelihood of, uh, having somebody that's infected unknowingly spreading the disease is almost zero compared to say, when you walk uh, you know, down uh, the Third Street Promenade here in Santa Monica. You just don't know. Uh, so I would actually say that it's probably a safer venue there than in the general public. Okay, that's good to know. Good, good. I, I appreciate your opinion about that. Now, speaking of Japan, how is the progress um, rollout of, of vaccinations in other countries? So that's that's really the the challenge. It's a, it's a classic story of have and have nots. Uh, you have the industrialized nations that are doing a much better job of vaccinating their uh, public uh, and their uh, citizens versus the you know third world countries. Uh, you know Indonesia has had an explosion of cases. Uh, what people don't realize is it's, it's a country of over 150 million people, uh, and uh, you know their ability to vaccinate has been much much less than. Uh, we have had in the United States. Ironically, countries like Korea uh, have been slow to vaccinate, uh, partially because, you know, when Korea, when the whole pandemic started, Korea was lauded because they uh, were the first to really um, take testing and contact tracing very, very seriously. Uh, They became sort of the model for which other countries were trying to aspire to. Uh, What happened was that one of the biotech companies there had promised that they would have a vaccine ready, and Korea sort of believed them and put all their eggs in that basket. And uh, unfortunately, that company was never able to deliver the vaccine at nearly the speed that uh, Moderna and Pfizer and J&J have. And as a result, they hadn't been able to start vaccinating uh, their public. So a lot of people from Korea have actually been flying to the United States to get vaccinated. Um, Japan is doing um, a, a pretty good job. Uh, China had their own Sinovac uh, that they developed internally, uh, for which so far the results don't seem to be as effective as some of the other uh, vaccines. But if you really look at sort of Southeast Asia, um, Vietnam has closed their borders, Singapore uh, has made it very difficult for people to travel in and out because when you don't have 
the ability yet to vaccinate your entire population, you rely on the uh, not letting anyone in or out to reduce the risk of, of, of getting a, a virus in your community. So it, it's still a work in progress. Uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, the majority of our world still remains unvaccinated. And as this virus, we know, goes to every single continent, those countries that have not had a chance to vaccinate, it allows the virus to not only infect their individuals, but to continuously mutate uh, so that, uh, you know, it's, it's not inconceivable that in the next six months to a year, we could have other new variants emerge that could then come back to the U.S. and, and, and wreak some havoc. So when people talk about a more equitable uh, vaccination uh, system to make sure that not only the most industrialized nations, but the poorest nations all can equally vaccinate. It's really because how important it is that we get everyone vaccinated so we reduce the potential to uh, have pockets of populations in the world that can be petri dishes to allow the uh, virus to mutate. And speaking of vaccinations, a lot of people are hesitant to get vaccinated because the FDA hasn't really approved the vaccines yet. Do you have any estimation on timeline as far as when that will all be approved? Well, I've heard that several of the uh, makers have already applied to both the EU as well as the US FDA to approve the vaccines. Uh, and, and from what I've heard, um, even J&J has uh, been uh, submitted an application. And I think that will eliminate one of the excuses that people make about not, not getting the vaccine. Uh, but now when you've had uh, nearly, you know, uh, over 100 and nearly 150 million people vaccinated in the United States, um, I don't know what other treatment that is sold or approved in the United States has ever treated so many people. Uh, uh, so we have more than enough data. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, I think the reluctance for people not getting the shot at this point is all an excuse, whether it's ideological, uh, whether, um, you know, it's kind of like not allowing your kids to get vaccinated. Uh, there, uh, People are coming up with reasons, but it, I don't think it's rooted in uh, any facts based uh, with regard to the current um, vaccines that are being used. So I myself currently have a, an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old little girls, and I'm ready for them to get vaccinated. I'm, I'm just sitting here waiting. Do you know of an estimated time where they will get their opportunity to be vaccinated? Great question. So we know that um, uh, the FDA approved the emergency use uh, authorization for 12-year-olds and over. And right now, there are some studies going on with younger kids. Uh, my, my kids are very similar to your kids in age. And I, I, too, am anxious for them to get the vaccine. Uh, from what I've heard, uh, they're hoping to have some data by maybe this fall, uh, okay. which late fall, which will be after school starts. But at least we can begin begin the process. One thing I would say as a parent uh, is that we saw an uptick in the last several months, not of COVID in kids, uh, but of uh, other uh, respiratory uh, viruses like uh, respiratory syncytial virus, uh, croup, um, the flu, uh, because kids had been, again, they were uh, basically quarantined at home, no social interaction. When things started to open up, they went back out. 
And a lot of them were not exposed to COVID, but a lot of kids got sick. My own five-year-old got sick and I had to take her immediately for a COVID test. She turned out to be COVID negative. Uh, but that's one of the things that I think parents have to deal with nightmares right now of their kids getting sick and immediately having to assume it's COVID, trying to scramble to go find a COVID test for their young kid and then finding out it's not. But, um, you know, let's not forget that that pre-COVID, our kids were still very susceptible to colds through preschool or um, through their elementary schools just by nature of how infectious kids are. I was just actually going to ask you that question because now going into the fall, as you mentioned, you know, schools are going to go back into session here in San Diego, where I live in northern part of San Diego, the school board has decided to bring the kids back full time. And part of me knows that, yes, as you know, my kids, I always allowed my kids, I never really overprotected them. Um, I always allowed them to be around people because I wanted them to get sick so they can build that immunity. As a parent who's fearful of that, what would you suggest to them as far as the new school year coming up? Well, I think, again, this is a work in progress. And, and having two young kids, I, I share a lot of your concerns. Um, my um, seven-year-old went back to, I'm sorry, my eight-year-old went back to school, uh, I, I would think it was like January. Of, no, no, uh, later than that of last year, full time. They tested mm -hmm. the kids weekly. Uh, they had to wear masks. Uh, from what right. I see right now, LAUSD has mandated that all the kids are going to have to wear masks this year. Um, uh, indefinitely for in-person learning. And I think as long as the kids uh, are masking, uh, as long as there are some good filtration systems, air filtration systems installed in the schools as part of the stimulus money, I know a lot of schools got lots of money to be able to do that. And as long as they practice good social distancing, uh, keeping desks somewhat spread apart, uh, I, I, I do think the infection uh, rate is very, very low, but not zero. Um, there definitely have been more kids that have been infected, particularly over the last four or five months. Uh, but but I do think that um, uh, going to in-person school, uh, we've shown that it can be done safely. Uh, and and I, I still believe that. Awesome. No, that's good. To, uh, that makes me a, a lot more relieved as a parent to hear that information. So no, I appreciate you talking about that. Now, obviously, there's a, a huge divide between those that are vaccinated and those anti-vaxxers. And, you know, the information out there is fact and fiction. You know, you just kind of sometimes don't know what to believe. As a professional, what are your thoughts about those people who refuse to believe in the science and facts of, of the vaccinations? Oh, it's, it's really sad. Um, so last I saw, um, there are approximately 39% of all adults in the United States remain unvaccinated. Uh, and half of them say no matter what, they will not get vaccinated. Uh, but the other half said that if they are required to do so, they would. So you're starting to see that. You're starting to see, uh, like in the state of California, they've said any state employee, if they want to keep their job, they're going to have to get vaccinated. Even in the NFL, you saw uh, them pass a policy. If you want to play this year or coach this mm -hmm. year, if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going to be there. And, and uh, the Minnesota Vikings just let go a coach uh, because he refused to uh, get vaccinated. Uh, I think that's what it's going to come down to is we're going to be required to do that uh, in order to uh, return to school. Very much like the way certain schools would not let kids return if they didn't have their measles shot. 
I think right. that's what's going to eventually end up happening with regard to uh, the, the, the vaccine. Now, uh, you know, ironically, you had a lot of um, uh, people, there was an ideological divide along party lines nationwide. Um, you know, 86% of Democrats have had at least one shot uh, compared to only 52% of Republicans. And, but you're seeing a, a sea change because you just saw the governor of Alabama yesterday blast those people that had not gotten a shot as being selfish and as the biggest cause of why we're seeing uh, infections in the state of Alabama. You saw uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who was uh, President Trump's uh, spokesperson, come out today, post a tweet saying that you know she was grateful to get the Trump vaccine. My feeling is call it whatever you want, uh, but if that's going to uh, help people get the vaccine, uh, then then I'm all in favor of it. The the, the problem also is that um, I think if if you can um, remove sort of the uh, partisan aspect of COVID, which unfortunately has been around for so long, I do think that you can. Um, uh, start to get more people vaccinated. And now you're starting to see more and more Republicans and conservative voices speak out. Even Sean Hannity the other day on his show uh, said that, you know, everyone should get vaccinated. So I do think that this is really, really important. No, I agree with you. I, I've been reading articles and seeing articles of people, especially young people, as you mentioned, those that, that feel like they're the warriors and they're, they can fight through it all are now in hospitals and having COVID and saying, can I get the vaccination? And a lot of these articles are saying, doctors saying it's too late. Like, and it's scaring a lot of these people to, to get the vaccination. And in my mind, it's, you're right. It's whatever you need to do to kind of tell these people it's important to get vaccinated. Absolutely. And I will say it's never too late. As long as you've never gotten the infection, uh, then it's never too late for you to get the vaccine. Okay, so once you do get infected, it is too late. No, not at all. I, I will say oh. this. So I, in full disclosure, I was infected last November. Um, and then I actually got the vaccine in March. Uh, but what I was saying is for those people that up to, to this date have not have refused the vaccine and think it's too late, I would say, no, no, no. It's, it's um, you know, it's still time to prevent you from getting uh, the, the infection if you get the vaccine. So that, that that's what I meant by that. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I have a friend of mine who actually uh, watches my daughters. And she, back in, I want to say January, ended up getting COVID. And she is a little, little confused because originally they told her, well, within, you know, you're kind of not susceptible three months afterwards or six, what, what's the actual facts about that? If you've actually received, you know, gotten COVID, how long are you able to wait or how long should you wait before you get vaccinated? Um, I, I would say that, again, this is still a work in progress, but from what I've seen, most people believe that if you were infected with uh, COVID, that at least for the next six to eight months, you're very unlikely to get infected. Uh, there are some people to, that believe that your T cells, which are part of your immune system that fights viral infections, will have memory uh, beyond that. Uh, but I do think that um, after six to eight months, there is a likelihood that you could lose some of that protection. Now, 
there is some uh, data to show that if you've had a, a viral infection and then get the vaccine, that you're probably the best scenario of being the most protected moving forward. Okay, that's good information to know. And, and lastly, I, I would like to you know, ask you your opinion as far as, you know, fellow healthcare workers who are, again, finding themselves back in the front line, uh, battling COVID. Uh, what would you, you know, say to those folks as far as, you know, just trying to get them through this new variant? Uh, well, I would say thank you so much for your service. Uh, I know it's got to be frustrating to take care of these people, particularly those that are deniers that are putting you at risk, you and your families at risk. Uh, but that's why, you know, uh, many of us have become healthcare providers uh, and uh, just just to how grateful we are for their continuous selfless, uh, you know, attitudes and, and sacrifices. No, absolutely. I, I appreciate you saying that. And and Dr. Song, if people want to get the latest information about COVID and the variants and all of that information, what's the best uh, advice or website or you know social media that they should follow to get that most up to date information? I think the best is the CDC uh, website now under Director Walensky. They are rolling out a lot of uh, daily uh, updates. Um, very accessible data, and I think it's data that people can trust. Uh, so that's where I would really go to right now, because that's really what's dictating a lot of the state policies and local government policies. Perfect. Well, you know what? Thank you again for joining us for this, for the updated information about COVID. I do appreciate your time and you just, you know, being here and informing us of the facts. Um, and hopefully, as much as I enjoyed having you on the show, hopefully we won't have you back with another surge or another situation. But again, thank you so much for, for joining the show today. Uh, always great to be on and thanks so much for getting the message out. Absolutely. And to learn more about today's show, please visit us at AsianVoicesRadio.com. Also, be sure to subscribe as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And until next week, I'm Hula Ramos. And on behalf of my guest, Dr. Paul Song, we'd like to thank you for listening. And please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices Radio show. Take care until next time, everyone.